Broadcasting live to the world now. It's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. As dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end time watchwoman, Sheila Zelensky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this very special Monday, April 6, 2015 edition of the Sheila Zelensky Show. Thank you all for tuning in from across the globe. Today, we are going to talk about a very controversial issue, and joining me to talk about it, he is no stranger to tackling tough issues. It is Dr. Danny Morano from GodIsNotReligious.net. He is the author of The Sinner's Prayer Gospel, one of my favorites, God Is Not Religious, and The Rapture, The End Time Plan for the Church and Retreat. He's written many other incredible books, and it is my pleasure to have him on the program. Danny Morano, Welcome. Thank you, Sheila. It's great to be back with you. So, of course, we are on Monday, which, uh, of course, is being celebrated all around the world. It's a holiday, Easter weekend. I've been getting a lot of emails on this subject, Danny, and one of the things I really want to talk about is this holiday. I mean, there's many pagan holidays that, of course, we celebrate, but particularly the Bible speaks very clearly in Jeremiah chapter 44. They talk about the cakes that were made as offerings to the queen of heaven. These buns are offered to this queen of heaven. Well, that fits right into our culture. Yeah, it does. So let's talk about this interesting holiday this weekend. Of course, uh, people are really into the running around and buying their Easter eggs and buying their baskets and the Easter bunny comes and gives these wonderful, because nothing really says God's love like chocolate Easter eggs, right, Danny? <laughs> yes, yes. I heard that they were making a chocolate Jesus. Did you hear about that? Yeah. And then this is quite stunning that Christians, so-called Christian in name, are celebrating something that they don't really understand is very deeply steeped in a cult pagan practice. So let's get into, first of all, Easter. Let's talk about it, Danny. Well, it's uh, I, I'm sorry to say that I don't find it astonishing. And just as I shared in, in my uh, when at Christmas time, I did a show, I think you heard it, on the origins of Christmas. Yes. Uh, the whole thing that we have inherited from the Roman Catholic apostasy, and even before, okay, uh, that is a perversion of Christianity, which I refer to 
as the counterfeit church, cultural Christianity, Christendom, which means the earthly empire of Christ, you know, as, as exhibited through the rule of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, and her daughters, okay, the Protestants and so on and so forth. Uh, so much of what they practice is also of the same origins. And, you know, we tend to point these things out, and they're good examples to make the point. But it's really not a departure, Sheila, from what supposed postmodern Christians are practicing all along. So many of the things that they're practicing, uh, in my new book that I'm writing right now, and I've done a series on it before, Exposing the Counterfeit Church, you know, I'm giving the very background on the, the very, what we call church itself, okay? The church building, the church organization, uh, the church as an institution. All these things came out of pagan roots. They all came out of Constantine's vision of baptizing the Roman Empire and its governmental structure and form into this new ecclesiastical rule, okay, or religious rule of Rome, which has lasted until this day and is having a revival at the moment and rising up even stronger and calling back all its rebellious daughters, okay, like as we've seen in the past year through the whole uh, charismatic leadership under, under the influence of the late uh, Anthony Palmer, the Anglican apostate, right. who was calling Copeland and the gang, James Robeson, Jesse Supplantus, all these guys uh, Jesse back Supplantus. to the Roman church. <laughs> That's Jesse Duplantis, but Danny made a joke. Oh, I'm sorry, Sheila. Did I, did I make a mistake? No, I, I love them all. I, I, I love them all, really. But the thing is this, you know, it's not a departure. Now, Easter, of course, once again, and I just talked about it on my show. The Hebrews did this under, you know, under Moses and they were in the flesh and people in the flesh today are doing the same thing. They're taking what they want to hold up, what they want to celebrate, what they want to indulge in and worship, devote themselves to whatever you want to call it and creating a new image of the God they claim to worship. Jesus right. Christ. Right. Okay? So we see that in Christmas with the Christ's Mass. They've adopted, you know, the baby Nimrod, the, the, the Madonna, who is also the Queen of Heaven that you just mentioned, okay, as the Virgin Mary and the Virgin Birth and, and the whole Christmas story, all right? In Easter, of course, the word Easter is an English translation of the word Ishtar or Esther which means queen of heaven. Even the Esther in the Bible, she was given that name. That was not her initial Hebrew name. She was given that name by the king and by the culture there, which was a pagan culture. And of course, we know that God used her ultimately. He placed her there to, uh, to help the Jews escape a holocaust that was going to occur. All right. But the name itself comes from the pagan roots of, or the Babylonian roots to be more exact, of the name Ishtar or Esther. So that's what this word Easter means, right? So, for instance, we don't even call it Jesus Christ Resurrection Day, right? 
Uh, some churches are saying Resurrection Day, which is better. You can't baptize the pagan name and the pagan day and the pagan roots from which it was taken and make it Christian. But you have to understand again that that's what the Roman Catholic heresy has done from the beginning, from the time of Constantine. It has taken its pagan culture, pagan history, heritage, roots, whatever you want to call it, and just baptize those things in the waters of a Christian context, an attached Christian name. For instance, instead of the sun god, Mithras, all right, that was worshipped by many Romans at that time, that became the son of God, you see? So Tammuz, or Nimrod, was turned into Yeshua, the Christ, Jesus the Christ. Okay, the same with the Queen of Heaven, Semiramis, Isis, Esther, Diana. She's had many, many, many names throughout pagan history in different cultures. She was then transformed into the Virgin Mother, Mary of Christ. But you'll notice when these doctrines matured, they started to show forth the same characteristics from which they were taken, right? You can drive by a church in Orlando called Mary, Mother of God, Queen of Heaven. And that's what the Roman Catholics preach the Mother of God as. You know, the Immaculate Conception of the Mother Mary, the Virgin Mary, the Madonna, which Madonna is not unique to the Roman Catholic uh, religion or Christianity at all. That comes from Babylon way back when as well, just like Nimrod and Tammuz do. You see these things mentioned in the Old Testament. The Queen of Heaven, along with Tammuz, is decried by the prophet Jeremiah, as you brought out, and in other portions of the scripture. So this is an old fixture. And now you see by the exaltation, and I just read a new quote by the Pope recently where he again exalted the Roman Catholic Church saying the Roman Catholic Church is the only means to salvation right. <laughs> through its exaltation in the belief of the Virgin Mother. He didn't even exalt Jesus Christ here. He exalted the Virgin Mother, the Queen Goddess of Heaven. Well, that's where this Easter festival came from. It was transformed from the old pagan festival and and brought in under this false Christian empire called Christ, what we call Christendom. So essentially, Samaramis. Now in Babylon, Samaramis became known as Easter, Istar, the moon goddess, which is yeah. exactly the same pronunciation in English as Easter. We know that's the spring goddess, the goddess of nature, and it's at yes. this time of year that the plants and flowers and trees and even some animals are reawakening once again, which really fits in line what does with that the beliefs speak of to? That speaks reincarnation. reincarnation. Yes. Yeah, so this spring goddess is supposed to reawaken all of nature when she wakes up, and according to the Babylonian, as you're talking about, after Samaramas had died, the next year, this huge multicolored egg had fallen out of heaven, quote-unquote, yeah. and landed in the Euphrates River. And after it washed ashore, Easter, known as Samaramas, had broken out of the egg and fulfilling her role as this incarnated spring goddess. And this is why yeah. eggs are really a part of the Easter celebrations. This pagan egg was then brought into Catholicism because the excuse they used to dilute their followers was 
as the baby chick comes out of the egg, so Christ came out of the tomb. So the egg, symbolically speaking, is supposed to be Christ coming back from the dead. But you can see this real fusion of paganism and occult. They allowed this occult Easter bunny. Of course, the rabbits being the fertility, easy fertilized and reproduces quickly in large quantities. So, I mean, this is really the reemergence of the Babylonian and Egypt cultures. As you mentioned, Nimrod, it's this is where we're at today, you know, celebrating these occult pagan holidays. Well, what does Revelation tell us about the final day system? We're all preaching about that, right? What is she called? Mystery Babylon, Babylon yeah. the great. Who who rides the beast? The harlot, huh? yeah. The harlot rides the beast. So we have the same figure again. What is she drunk on? She's drunk on the blood of the martyrs and the saints, right? And she has names of blasphemy written all over her forehead and all over that cup. Okay, so that represents that same false Babylonian system. And Satan, again, always wanting to turn things on its head, always wanting to reverse or usurp God's order, has from the beginning exalted the female, who was supposed to be in submission to the male, representing the church or and Israel before her in submission to the bridegroom, the Messiah, and the father, right? Exalted her above that in an act of rebellion. So he did that from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, right? He went to the woman. And many times we preach it only as, well, she was the weaker. And Paul brings that out. She was the weaker vessel. But it was, again, to disrupt the order of things and to push man who was created in God's image directly down because he also represented, you have to realize this, Man represented the eternal son of man in the heavens who Satan had the revelation. I believe that that was going to occur in history. Okay, that this eternal son of man would do what he was going to do. Because remember, in the spirit, there is no time. So whatever God allows Satan to see, he sees in the spirit outside of time. We can only do that if God gives us a revelation or a vision or, you know, a prophecy or a dream. But the angels, of course, are much more open to that because they live in the spirit realm. So you'll see a pattern, though, of Satan exalting the woman who came from the man over the man to turn God's order on its head. That's why you see it recurring once again. What do the watchers do a little later on? The fallen angel watchers, what do they do a little later on? They enter into the woman and they create a new hybrid apostate race to rival God's race, which is supposed to come from the seed of the man. That it comes from the seed of the fallen angels and exalts the woman. So the woman is worshipped. So you see this go all the way through. Then you have what you mentioned, the incestuous relationship, according to classical history, not only scriptural history, but classical history, the incestuous relationship of Nimrod with his mother slash wife, right? And she ultimately is exalted as the queen of heaven and that carries out all throughout antiquity until we come up to the most intense version of it, which is this harlot that we see in the book of Revelation, which does not only represent the perversion of this virgin Mary, you know, the goddess of the heavens, 
But this false church, this false bride of Christ is also represented in that harlot. And look what's going on in this false church, this counterfeit church system. Look what's being exalted once again. It's being emasculated, okay? And the gay thing is coming in, right? Homosexuality is being exalted. Women taking the role of leadership over men is being exalted. Children being exalted over their parents. All these perversions. Satan is always trying to turn God's order on its head. So Easter, getting back to Easter, is just once again the devil with man as his complicit partner in religion, which is a creation of fallen angels and demons and and Nephilim. Okay, religion is their creation. God did not create religion. Through religion, they've taken these pagan ideas. We use the word pagan. It's really soft. Pagan just really means from the country. Okay, demonic. Paul wrote in his letter, in the last days would come doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. So these these doctrines of demons and these seducing spirits who, who propagate these doctrines have masqueraded their real identity and their real nature with Christian images. They've replaced, as I said earlier, the sun god with the son of God, the queen of heaven with the Virgin Mary. What about the saints? The same thing. They've taken the Nephilic gods and the demons and the fallen angels that were worshipped through in those Gentile nations that God commanded his chosen people under the old covenant, Israel, not to mix with and commanded Joshua to destroy by the edge of the sword to wipe them from the face of the earth. OK, they are exalted. They're turned into the saints. The Greek philosophers turn and say, you know, what's crazy if you go to Greece. And you walk into some of their churches, Sheila. You'll see on one side of the church, icons and images of the saints. And on the other side, or right next to them, icons and images of the Greek philosophers. Right. It's an unholy mixture. It's a hybrid. Easter, you have the same thing. The real emphasis is what you talked about. The apotheosis, okay, or the reincarnation, or the demonic resurrection of the queen goddess of heaven, and that's transformed for the counterfeit church into the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? But that is not what the pagan festival originally represented, just like Christ Mass, Christmas, did not represent that. It is amazing how blasphemy, apostasy, and perversion is now completely enmeshed in this false church system, like the term Chrislam and this word Judeo-Christian. I mean, we're going to get into that a little bit, this term Judeo-Christian, which is really interesting. But it seems as we get deeper into the Laodicean church age, God is being replaced by many gods with no one way or one path to Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is, you know, there are so many that are spiritually confused and stumbling around in the dark and groping for answers, and they become more and more elusive. I don't know if you saw this article, Danny, but there's a big group 
group. There are these radically inclusive churches now. They have a even have a slogan. This is just stunning. Bring your own God. Now there is one fellow, his name is D. E. Polk. That's P-A-U-L-K. You can do a search on him. And he is one of the largest mega church preachers in America. And he's saying that after much soul searching, he says in an interview that Christ cannot be and will not be restricted to Christianity. There's no hell except which one creates. And he's saying, you know, come to church, bring your own God. He's saying that he welcomes everyone from Wiccans to Hindus to Muslims. He recognizes all gods and prophets. Incredible. And so you have this, and then you also have a really very interesting story that people can look up on InfoWars. It's about this Christian baker from Ireland went to court this businessman refused to undertake an order by a gay activist. He refused to bake this cake, and he was taken to court. I mean, it's a really interesting story, but you can really see that everything's accelerating. The madness really is accelerating, isn't it? Well, the guy you just described uh, that was accepting all those religions, that sounded like you were describing the Pope to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, that's where that really comes from. And it spreads out throughout all the, the false church system, okay? I don't know if that P-A-U-L-K is, is um, related to the late apostate pedophile Earl Polk. Is well, his, the same his church? church, this D.E. Polk is probably related, but it's called the Spirit and Truth Sanctuary, and people can do a search on that. Yeah, this is where we're at. This is the culture that we're in. People have created their own Christ. And the arrogance of ignorance has been lifted to such a height in this Western godless culture, the Christless culture, that people feel emboldened to just come up with their own definition. Now, once again, and I, I keep stressing this, Sheila, not only with the holidays, but with these examples like what you just brought out, these are extremes, but they are just a slight extreme representing the norm because this is what the main line, what we call church, has been doing. They've created their own Jesus. They've turned him into whatever they wanted to, him to be, whether they've turned him into a moral majority Republican patriot or whether they've turned him into, you know, a drag queen. It doesn't really matter. They made Jesus whatever they want him to be. What really jumps in my head is the scripture in Galatians 1, where Paul admonishes, even if an angel come in yes. any other doctrine, let him be accursed. Are people yes. thinking that any of this, whether it's this homosexual, this transgendered agenda, is that the Holy Spirit, really? Is that the Holy Spirit that is calling themselves radically inclusive churches, anything goes? Is that the Holy Spirit? That is the question. Well, I just talked about on my show because, you know, uh, people are into this new drug called praise and worship obsession. Okay, and these praise and worshipers are going off into this apostasy that you're talking about. The same people that are up there in this ecstatic, supposedly Holy Spirit-inspired worship are embracing these apostasies are embracing the prophetic guys. I mean, I talked about this on my show, and, I, and I'm and i not ashamed to talk about oh, it. Oh, you mean the prophetic <laughs> guy like Glenn Beck, Mr. Prophetic Well, not Mantle? Glenn Beck. <laughs> I'm talking about the other false prophet who supposedly mantled Glenn Beck. 
I mean, Glenn Beck is an evangelist. He said it out of his own mouth many times in different ways. An evangelist for a fallen angel-inspired religion called Mormonism, okay, which is not Christianity whatsoever. And this other false prophet, this Chuck, Chuck Pierce, Pierce, put the mantle on Glenn Beck. Yeah, first of all, the mantling thing is nonsense. There's nothing in the New Testament about mantling people. This is another perversion of taking some symbolic thing from the Old Testament and applying it to the New Testament and then twisting it and per perverting it, planting it on an, an apostate, someone who comes from a completely accursed religion like you just mentioned. Paul said, and John also said, John the Apostle also said, we should not even bid them Godspeed in what they're doing. We should not even encourage them, much less to take them under us in their unrepentant condition and don them prophets in the supposed church of Jesus Christ. See, these are the things that people need to take just as much of, you know, offense, if you want to use that word, as they do about someone saying, hey, just bring your own God to church. Well, these guys are bringing their own God to church. That's not the Jesus of the scriptures. Well, and then there's this messianic movement where let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's go back to the Sabbath. God created man as in, in his image, and we are now creating God in our own image. Let's just do whatever we want, take a bit of the yeah. Old Testament, celebrate the Sabbath. You know, let's do ABC. Let's skip right over the New Testament. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yes. A person has to ask themselves, why would you replace the stony tablet? Didn't Jesus talk about spiritual circumcision, yet you can pick and choose the Old Testament? We are not under the Old Testament covenant, and yet I don't think people get this, do they? Yeah, but why don't they get it, Sheila? Why don't they get it? And this is where they miss it all along. All these things that we're talking about have one common denominator. And what is that? That is that they all proceed from the arrogant flesh, okay? And this is why the Apostle Paul, especially in his teaching, emphasizes that we must be led by the Spirit, that we must be filled in the Spirit. That's why he says, right, the law has condemnation. Um, so many uh, scriptures in the New Testament tell us clearly that the law brought condemnation upon man, right? So Paul says he gives us the way to get a, away from condemnation, right? Romans 8.1 says what? There is therefore now, now, very key word. He couldn't have said it before Christ's resurrection. He couldn't have said now. If it was before Christ's resurrection, he would have to say, there will be therefore then no condemnation. For those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But because of what Christ had done in paying the price for our sins, giving the ability for the Holy Spirit to come to us and indwell us and inhabit us and fill us and live in us. Paul was able then to say, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's the key. Who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Jesus himself said, the flesh profits nothing, but the Spirit gives life. These people, whether they're in the flesh, over here on the left side, being gay and accepting every false 
pagan mindset and practice and ritual all the way there on the left, or these others who put their trust in the flesh all the way on the right, so to speak, uh, trusting and keeping the works of the law. Either way, these are putting their trust in the flesh. This is the pride of unregenerate fallen flesh. This is the sin of Satanael. This is how the devil fell through his pride because he thought he could choose the way that he would be acceptable to God. And God said, no, that's not going to work here. You're going to have to take that downstairs and kick them out of heaven, right? Well, man has learned that from him. And man on either side of the spectrum, whether he's going into total licentiousness and, you know, perversion and debauchery through abnormal acts of the perverted flesh, or if he's over here trying to hide his putrid sinful nature. Isaiah said it under the old covenant already. We used to use this verse as an evangelistic verse when we used to when I used to go around when I first came to the Lord, I used to go around with the Baptist uh evangelize and we used to use this verse all the time about our righteousness being as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. Paul says, quoting the same area in Romans, he says, there is none righteous No, not one on earth. There's no righteous person. So a person who says, I'm going to add to Christ. Read the book of Colossians, listeners. Read the book of Colossians. The writer of Colossians, whether it was Paul or some other inspired individual, it doesn't matter. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Makes it clear. And he says, this do not taste, do not touch, do not handle. This appears on the surface, to have a great righteousness to it in promoting the arrogance of the flesh, basically, he says. But it does not profit anyone in the spirit. No one can keep it. No one can be perfect in it. James says in his letter later on, he says, Do you not know, foolish man, that if you fail in one point of the law, you are guilty of all the law? So let's take this now. To our Semite friends, those who claim to be the Jews of the flesh, who claim to be keeping the law or to acknowledge the law on whatever level they do, even though mostly they don't anymore, right? But even if they do, James says, if you are guilty of one point of the law, then you are guilty of all the law. So how can these false evangelicans, okay, Preach that because someone supposedly, arrogantly and haughtily and presumptuously and without factly, if that's a word, claim to be a Jew in the flesh, and because that person's a Jew in the flesh, they get a pass. They don't have to receive the Messiah. They don't have to repent of their sin. They don't have to be baptized into the body of Christ. You sound like John they Hagee. They are the chosen. <laughs> Hagee is an apostate. He's an absolute apostate, and he needs to repent of what he's preaching, because what he's preaching is an absolute lie. It's the spirit of circumcision. It's even worse than the spirit of circumcision. In the New Testament, in the first generation of the church, these apostates were only talking about adding the law to the gospel. This guy and people like him are saying, you don't even need the gospel 
if you claim to be a child of Abraham. Well, these morons came before Jesus and told Jesus that they were the children of Abraham. And Jesus said to them like Samuel Jackson, oh, are you finished? Well, then let me retort. And he said to them, you are not the children of Abraham. You are the children of the devil. Because if you were the children of Abraham, you would recognize me. Because Abraham spoke of me, and Abraham saw my day. Before Abraham was, I am. But you reject me, because I come in the name of whom you say is your father, who prophesied of me. He says, no, you are the children of the devil. Now, if Jesus said that to those who were truly in the state of Israel, I mean the nation of Israel with the Sanhedrin and the literal law of Moses following the Torah and so on. How much more does that apply to these apostate Jews today who don't even follow the Torah? They follow writings, volumes called the Talmud, which, I mean, say even much, much nastier things about our Lord than those guys said. How is that? Yet we have false apostate Christian teachers preaching that, you know, because someone is of the physical seed of Israel, supposedly, uh, they don't have to accept the Messiah. Well, that is absolute heresy, absolute apostasy. I like what your man brought out in this video, too. It was very Oh, Pastor Stephen Anderson, the movie Marching yeah. Design. Well, you know, Danny, interestingly, after I had him on my show and we got into this topic about Israel and the Jews and the so-called chosen people, I mean, because it is a very contentious and misunderstood issue out there. And, of course, the term Zionism is even more confusing that people argue about. But yeah. Today, let's face it, Christians are always saying we stand in support of Israel. But the bottom line, when I did this show, I, I was actually pretty stunned at the amount of anti-Semitic kinds of email. I've got, oh, Sheila, you're anti-Semitic. You're a racist. I was really stunned yeah. at the amount of emails I got after I did that show. Because when you think about the fact is the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah, bottom line. So yeah. how are they the chosen people? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of misunderstanding about this term. We stand with Israel, isn't there? Yes. Well, the thing is this, you always got to look at the roots. Let me ask you something. How many of those people who said those things to you are also avid American patriots? Oh, there would be a high amount to them that are. It would overlap? Absolutely. Okay, so this is the root, Sheila. Their belief is not rooted in scriptural exegesis. In other words, studying, researching, and understanding the scriptures correctly, understanding the doctrine of the Old Covenant, and understanding the doctrine of the New Covenant. No, their beliefs are based in their American patriotism. And part of that dispensationalism, which has been used by the political right for many decades to enslave evangelicals and fundamentalists to their agendas. They have taken on the American patriotism, which is a total idolatry. They have transferred that then over to Israel, okay, because that's what they are being taught to do under the political 
leaven. It's a political doctrine more so than it's a religious doctrine. So it's interesting when you study the history of the founding of America, and even from the righteous side of the coin, okay, many of what we call the pilgrims or the, the Puritans who came over from Europe to escape the restriction and the persecution by the Roman Catholic Church system over there, and even the false Protestants by that point, they saw America as the new Jerusalem, as a new Israel. So this got planted into the seedbed of the American folklore and the American doctrine of who America is and linked this new nation, the United States, with this physical nation of Israel through this allegory or metaphor. And that has stuck. So today you have these American patriots who are totally in the flesh. Their fight is in the flesh. They want to go down in flames shooting, right, to save their homeland. Well, what is their homeland? America, all right? So now they extend that to the state of Israel. And they say they're also willing to help Israel go down in flame, shooting to save the physical state of Israel. So once again, we see the phenomenon of their religion being totally of the flesh. It's all in the arm of the flesh, and it's idolatry. Patriotism, I've said it on your show before, patriotism is idolatry. It is a golden calf, okay, and the American gospel, which a large part of the American gospel is patriotism, colonialism. It waves the flag of that idolatry. That's its banner. Okay, look, you got the goddess. We talked about the goddess earlier. The goddess is, is standing up there in the Hudson. You got Semiramis right in the Hudson. We could go through many, many, many symbols. It's a mixture well, we have the same phenomenon here in this false Judaism. It's a mixture of supposed American ideals connected to a false version of what Judaism was supposed to be. So it's not even a, a spiritual phenomenon in that sense. It's not a religious phenomenon. It's a political agenda. And the same useful idiots that are being used to promote the American side of this false agenda, just as they're promoting a false American state that doesn't exist. Yes, it's a corporate entity, the United States, okay, at least since 1871. Anyone who's done any research knows that that's the fact, okay? And its citizens are stock certificates. That's what they are. Well, Israel is the same type of creation. So the same group of elite, of wicked elite that are forming this worldwide beast system are operating on both fronts. And unfortunately, deceived, ignorant, fleshly driven Christians, more than likely, many of them who do not possess the Holy Spirit, okay, even though unfortunately, even those who claim to have been baptized in the Holy Spirit also embrace this foolishness, like they embrace all their other apostasies, prosperity and all this other junk. But you'll notice the common denominator, Sheila. It's always the exaltation, the indulgence, 
the promotion and the glorification of the flesh, of the natural world. Their patriotism is for an earthly nation. They do not have the revelation of the new covenant as the, the letter of Peter brings out. We are an invisible nation. Okay, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people set apart, called out of the world. See, this is where the root is that those who are calling themselves Christians today have not heard the call of Jesus and do not understand the prayer of Jesus in John 17. This last prayer before he's taken by the authorities, betrayed by Judas and taken by the authorities, where he prays and he says, Father, listen to it good, because this defines who Christians are and who the true church is. He says, Father, I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those whom you have given me out of the world and for those who will believe on me through their word. Now think about something for a minute. That's pretty radical because most of our evangelism and our slogans coming out of the churches and everything, pray, we're praying for the world. We have to win the world to Christ, right? Christ wants to win the world. Notice though, however, when Jesus prays, he doesn't pray for the world. He prays for those whom the Father has given him out of the world. There's our standard. There's our standard. The problem with these people who are embracing all these apostasies and heresies that we're talking about is the root of their problem is they will not come out of the world. Their prayers are for the world. Their money is for the world. Their guns are for the world. Everything that they're working for is for this world. Yet, Hebrews 11, we call it the chapter of faith, that talks about the father of faith, Abraham, says that God called Abraham out of his earthly nation, right? He came from Ur of the Chaldeans, from Babylon, right? right. Very interesting. Abraham was called out of Babylon, and he knew he was not seeking an earthly nation. He was seeking a heavenly nation. And he was not a citizen of this earth, but he was a citizen of the heavenly kingdom, the invisible nation. And we are the seed of Abraham, according to Galatians. We, believers in Christ, we are the seed of Abraham. And just as it says again in Galatians, and he did not say to seeds, plural, that there are two chosen peoples, that there are two chosen nations. No, he said to Abraham and his seed, which is Christ. Now, where are we, Sheila? We are seated in Christ, right? In heavenly places. We are the body of Christ. We are one with Christ. So if Christ is the seed as the head, then we are also the seed as the body. But there's no other chosen people or chosen nation outside of Christ who can claim the promise given to Abraham. But these want to claim that according to their flesh. And these Christians of the counterfeit church system 
want to claim the same because their priorities are priorities of the flesh. And they work for this world. They see the church, and I want your audience to get this. They see the church as an ordained, sanctioned, and commissioned institution of the world system to represent God to society. Well, and that's why you see Netanyahu telling the Jews to come home and this nation of Israel thing. But in Christ, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the word says. So the Israel today is not what God was originally talking about, is it? No, and you hit it right on the head when you said those two words, in Christ. Now, here's the question, Sheila. How many of these people are in Christ? What did Jesus say? He said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. What did he say about the two masters? He said, you cannot serve two masters because you will love the one and hate the other. You will cling to the one and despise the other. Yet these supposed Christians, these supposed little Christ, these supposed seed of the anointed one, the Messiah, claim to be able to dance on both weddings. They claim to be able to be a part of this invisible nation and that their citizenship is in heaven, in the new Jerusalem, the mother of us all, as we're told once again in Galatians and in the book of Hebrews and in the book of Corinthians. They claim to be a part of that nation, but they also claim to be citizens and more than citizens, patriots that are willing to be martyred for the physical nation that they're supposed to be walking through only as pilgrims, aliens, strangers, and exiles, according to the scripture. So where are their loyalties? How can they be both? How can they serve an empire? that is in rebellion to Christ, this is another thing, too. These postmodern Christians, Americans especially, they believe that Jesus is coming back to judge all the nations except America and Israel. Maybe they include England in there, you know, because <laughs> England's the mother. All right, but otherwise, and maybe they throw the Pope in, you know, that little area in Italy. Wh whatever they include in that definition. And we have well-meaning Wannabe theologians preaching about sheep and goat nations, nonsense. Nations don't go visit people in prison. Nations can't get into a hospital ward and visit people in the hospital. Okay, that's not what Jesus was talking about. There are no sheep and goat nations. There are sheep and goat supposed believers. My sheep hear my voice. Okay, Jesus was in the nation of Israel, right? And he said there were sheep within the nation of Israel that heard his voice. If the sheep represented the whole nation of Israel, he would say, Israel hears my voice. But that's not what he said, did he? So we know that he was speaking about individual people. There are no sheep nations. In Daniel and in Revelation, the angel cries out, all the kingdoms of this world system, the mundos in Latin, the world system have become the possession of our Lord and King, the Messiah and his God. Right? Right. That's all the empires, all the nations. So that means 
that Christ is coming to judge all the nations. That means there are no nations who implicitly possess righteousness. That God's going to give a pass and say, no, no, America's a righteous nation. No, Israel is a righteous nation. And they're going to be okay. No. Jesus is coming to vanquish all those nations. They are all his enemies. None of them would kiss the sun. Psalm 2. They said, we will not have this man, speaking of the Messiah, David's son. We will not have this man to rule over us. They've made God angry because they will not kiss the sun. No nation on this earth will kiss the sun. Therefore, the sun comes in vengeance, Revelation 19, and he judges all nations. And he reigns from, yes, the physical area of Israel, Jerusalem over all the earth for a thousand years. Now, here's the thing. Here's another misconception that comes into the picture. There was a Palestinian covenant that God made with Abraham. He did make a covenant with Abraham concerning land. That's evident. That cannot be denied. In the Old Testament, that's where Moses is, is commanded to go, and eventually Joshua is commanded to take possession of that land of Canaan, right? That whole land that God promised to Abraham and his descendants. So there is a physical land covenant that God made, and God will fulfill that. But this has nothing to do with salvation or the eternal state of the physical descendants of Abraham. And the New Testament I mean, makes that more than clear to us. But people are hung up on the idea that the Jews are descendants from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's that's just absolutely not true, is it? Well, first of all, and, and I like what your guy did. I mean, it was really, it was really very clever where he went into the math. He did the math on it, right? Oh, on the chalkboard? When and he, he said, how ridiculous is this? And went and got swabbed and found out he's got some Jewish yeah. uh, roots. I mean, this is a lie again. Who's claiming to be Jews? Okay, those that were in these holocausts, they were practicing Judaism. That's the religion of the Jews. But that was not according to genealogy. Okay, in their ignorance, they didn't have the technology that we do today. They understood themselves to be pure Jews. But we know now, scientifically, that that is not the case. So the Jews that Hitler killed, they were mutts, just like we're a mutt, right? My name is Morano. Morano was a group of supposed Jews that started way back from the time of Christopher Columbus okay, under Queen Isabel and, and King Ferdinand that were being persecuted, okay, and under the Roman Catholic system that were practicing Judaism. And they made a choice. Either they would practice their Judaism in secret and pretend to be Roman Catholics, conversos they were called in Latin, conversos, all right? They pretended to convert to Roman Catholicism and continued to practice their Judaism in secret, or they fled. And there is a group of Moranos in Israel, Jerusalem, right now, today. They call themselves Moranos. Their last names are not Morano, 
but they see themselves as descendants of these people, right? So here, more than likely, if they were to swab me, there would be found absolutely Jewish roots. Now, do I put any trust in that? Do I say I am a Jew now more than anyone else? No, because my faith is in Christ. One who is a Jew, the Apostle Paul wrote, who was a Jew, he wrote, one who is a Jew is a Jew inwardly by the circumcision of the heart, not one who is one outwardly merely by the circumcision of the foreskin of the flesh. But even the old covenant commands them and prophesies to them through the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Ezekiel that God was going to modify that. Right? He said, you will no longer have that stony heart. I will take out that stony heart and I will replace it with a heart of flesh. The circumcision will no longer be the circumcision of the foreskin of your flesh, but the circumcision of your heart. And I will write my law upon your hearts, no longer on tablets of stone. Who is he speaking to? He was speaking to the Hebrews. So how can a Hebrew then, someone who claims to be a Hebrew, go against that? When God said that already in the old, under the old covenant, prophesied it, go directly against that and still continue to put his trust in those stone tablets and other writings of the law, which Colossians tells us were nailed to Christ's tree, right? Handwritings and ordinances that condemned us. It tells us we're nailed to Christ's tree. Christ took those offenses for us. Whatever the law had to judge us on, Christ took that judgment. So how can someone then say, okay, I'm going to go against that now. and I'm going to justify myself before God by keeping those stone tablet commandments, keeping the circumcision of the foreskin of the flesh, and, and the Sabbath and this and that and whatever else. And that goes for any Gentile as well, because the Gentiles were able to convert to the old covenant law, right? Remember that. Even as far back as Abraham, his most devoted servant, Eliezer, who he was going to make his heir because he thought he really wasn't going to have a child, was not of Abraham's stock. He was a heathen. He was a Gentile, right? And Abraham took him in and he was circumcised and he became part of the children of Abraham, what would eventually become the Israelites. Okay, so Gentiles today who want to take on the Jewish, you know, the burden of the Hebrew law of Moses and want to justify themselves by keeping the Sabbath, by not eating pork, all these different things, then they are putting themselves under the same condemnation as someone who claims to be a Hebrew and claims to inherit salvation by keeping the law. Well, Jesus Christ essentially initiated a better covenant. He superseded that old covenant in a spiritual covenant. And I think that's the, the part Correct. that's really tough for people to wrap their head around. Well, the hour has flown by very fast. There's so much more to get into. And I think I will invite you back for a part two of this series, Danny. Again, so much more to get into. And what is the new book that you're working on right now? And when can people expect it to be out? It's going to be called Exposing the Counterfeit Church, 
cultural Christianity versus true scriptural Christianity. And I definitely want to uh, finish that by the end of the year. It's going to be very extensive. So, but who knows? Maybe uh, if the Holy Spirit helps me more, I'll get it out earlier. But sometime this year. Well, that is a much needed timely book, I'll tell you, in this this absolute counterfeit culture that we do call Christianity. And, you know, it's funny, the other day somebody said, oh, you, Sheila, you need to come to my church. You know, we've got to get away from this term that we say, go to church. I mean, yes. that is really quite simple. Well, we can't go to ourselves, Sheila. We can't have exactly. ourselves. We <laughs> are the to church. Ourselves. <laughs> yes. Danny, please give out your website for the listeners. Okay, it is godisnotreligious.net. Godisnotreligious.net. I've got Danny's information linked there at weekendvigilante.com as well as his show and the Times. And I really encourage people to listen to the Counterfeit Church series that Danny has done. And, of course, go to his website. He's got excellent books there. Thank you, Danny, for all that you do. It's uh, amazing that, you know, out of the this very compromised system, we still have a few people that are willing to stand up for the truth. So God bless you for that. Thank you, Sheila. Folks, again, that was Danny Morano, one of my favorite guests. As always, he never disappoints. He gives us such powerful insight and teaching today, as always. He is such an astute and brilliant man, and his books are fantastic. And let me tell you, I have Danny's books, and I have to say that they are a must-read. So please go to his website and check out these powerful teachings and resources and listen to his show. He's a real blessing to us, and I hope you consider purchasing his books, sewing into his ministry, because there aren't many men like Danny Morano out there that are boldly exposing the counterfeit church and advancing the Great Commission. A brilliant yet humble disciple of Christ he is, and I encourage you to support his work. Folks, we have an amazing lineup this week. We have Julia Tamaruzzi, Minister Carla Boutard, Cliven Bundy, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. It's a week plumb full of powerful guests, and I believe you're going to be very blessed by this week. And please, please donate to the Kent Hoven Legal Fund the Legal Defense Fund. The info is located at Pass the Salt Ministries. Thank you for tuning into the program today. Good night and God bless. The Sheila Zielinski Show is sponsored by SteveQuayle.com, offering a wide variety of products, links, headlines, and information for the end times. Order Steve's new book, Little Creatures, by visiting SteveQuayle.com. Dare to discover, learn, prepare, and be amazed.